Hi, guys. Hi there, neighbors. Will you be our Valentines? Please cut that out. Nothing? What did you do? Nothing. Hi there, neighbors. Welcome back to The Next Town Over. I'm Carson Costa, and I'm here with my co-host, Nicole Bennett. Hello. Today we're going to tackle overnight train rides, 14-hour flights, overnight layovers, and all the headaches in between that make long travel days a nightmare. So kick back, relax, and let us take some of that stress off your shoulders. Happy Valentine's Day! Sretno Valentinovo in Croatian. Fröhlichen Valentinstag in German. Okay, I'm going to probably butcher this one, but I've been trying to learn Arabic, so I figured I should give it a shot. Ayut yub sayit. In Arabic. So it sounded beautiful to me. Uh, Joyeux Saint-Valentin for French. And Feliz Dia de Saint-Valentin in Spanish. Beautiful. Hey, thanks. I There's obviously many, many, many more ways that we could wish you a happy Valentine's Day. But uh, those are the ones that I felt confident enough to actually pronounce decently. Not Italian. I don't know why I didn't do Italian. Actually, that is a great question. Who knows? So, neighbors, will you be our Valentines? Please. Please. That would make us happy. I thought we'd play a little game in honor of Valentine's Day. Woohoo! Because there's lots of fun ways that people call their significant others in different languages, little pet names. And so I hunted down a few in some different languages. So I'm going to say them. I'm going to make Nicole guess what language they're in. Super excited for this. And then I'm going to make her guess what it means in that language. Yippee. Just for fun. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, the first one. Mon petit chou. Well, that's French. That's French. My little what? Mon petit chou. 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 I feel like I should know that word. Uh... I don't know why you would know this word, but this is just, it's a really funny one that is frequently cited as being like a silly thing that people call each other in other languages. So you might have heard this before, hmm. but. I just know it's my little something. Owl. <laughs> no, <laughs> which actually, that's, that's a great guess, though, because chouette means owl. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, no, mon petit chou means my little cabbage. Cabbage? Oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> so cute. I don't know. Chou. Mon petit chou. Mon petit chou. <laughs> okay, the next one. Cabbage. Schatz. Isn't that German? Mm-hmm, that sweets? is German. Not sweets. Um, Schatz. Schatz, Schatz, Schatz. No, no, oh. no, no. Good try, though. Uh, treasure. It means oh, treasure. Oh, that makes sense. And shots. Shots means treasure. Oh, that's cute, too. Okay, this one, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Oh, boy. Habib Albi. I'm going to go with, that's Arabic. That is Arabic, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, And I have no idea. No, I didn't. You want to take a shot in the dark, guess? Uh, will you repeat it? Uh, not that that will help at all. Habib Albi. Ew. I don't know, because I've heard Habib before, but I don't yeah. remember, like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing? Okay. Uh, it means love of my heart, at least according to the internet. Well, that's super cute. Isn't that cute? Yes. It's so cute. <laughs> okay. The next one. Fragolia. 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 That's what it is. Sorry, I put the emphasis on the wrong spot there. Fragolia. Fragolia. Well, that's Italian. That is Italian. Excellent. Fragolia. If nothing else, you should have seen it on the gelato. Fragola. Gelato. No? Wait, give me a second. Okay, sorry. I'll stop pestering. Yeah, you already know what this stuff is. I don't have a chance to think. 
I'm sure anyone who knows Italian is like screaming it at us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. You don't know? You're gonna, the second I say it, you're gonna be like, oh. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Fragolia means little strawberry. Strawberry. Fragola, strawberry. Okay, we've got two more. It's the next one. The humiliation continues. If you don't get this one, I am going to shame you. <laughs> Damn. Corazon. <laughs> you know, I want to say that sounds very Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish for heart. Spanish for heart. Yes, correct. This last one is not... Uh, well, I don't know if I should give you a hint or not. I'll give you a hint if you struggle. Solnisko moi. Solnisko moi. Okay, that is more of a, like... Um, is that a Ukrainian? It is Ukrainian. I it would be. Yes. Uh, Any guesses as to what it means? One more time. Solnisko moi. I say that like I know it. Like I actually picked this one because um, it reminds me of what my dad calls my mom. What kills me is that I'm like, yeah, repeat it, as if I can piece together things like Solnishkomoy. Solnishkomoy. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation on that, but yeah, well, I don't know any Ukrainian, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. My sweet potato. No. No. Uh, so it means my little sun or my ray of sunshine, and my dad calls my mom sunshine. Aww. Yeah. So I had to include that because Ukrainian. We just did the episode on Ukraine and Russia, and shout out to my parents. They're adorable. Aww, so cute. Shout out to my parents. You guys are cute too. So if we're talking about these, like, long travel days, to a certain extent, they're unavoidable, Mm -hmm. right? Because you've got to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Unfortunately, a necessary part of traveling. And we've both been through enough that I feel like we've got some reasonably good tips. You always try to eliminate them as much as possible. I know when we go looking for our next transition, we're always looking for the direct flight or the direct bus ride. However, we can get there so quick, quickly and efficiently and with as little hassle as possible. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always happen. As connected as the world is, there are limitations. Certain parts of the world only go by bus instead of by train. And you're like, shoot, <laughs> darn, would have been great. <laughs> would love to have a bullet train right about now. Yeah, for our, what, 11-hour bus ride back to Zagreb? It's going to be a really well, it's long overnight. Day. Yeah, that's true. Which is why we did that. Yeah. It just would have been really nice to do an overnight bullet train instead. Hopefully it'll be really empty and we can each take a bank of seats and we can just sleep. So there are benefits if you look on the bright side. And we'll cover some of those later. But this is basically just time that, I don't know, I like to think of it as being almost pulled out of my life a little bit. And it's like this time that exists in a bubble. Because... There's nowhere to go, nowhere to be. Half the time you don't have access to Wi-Fi. And so, you know, you're just kind of in this bubble of time where you just have to chill. There's, you don't have control over it once you get to your transportation. It just, it unfolds as it does. And so it can be kind of fun because it's kind of an excuse to do things that you normally wouldn't spend time on. Or it can be a great way to catch up on things that you're behind on. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, as... Generally speaking, other than, like, your body getting stiff from staying in one place for too long, I really like the longer travel days because Mm -hmm. it gives me a chance and excuse to just relax and enjoy doing whatever. Reading a book, playing Sudoku, I don't know, indulging in something I maybe don't let myself do all that often. It's kind of great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I love love looking out the windows, too. 
and watching the world go by and catching these glimpses of places that I've never been to or places that I have been to. When we were flying back from Luxembourg, I was looking out the window at the Alps and I found the <laughs> town that I spent like one long weekend in um, with a family from during my exchange year in Germany. They took me skiing there. So I've only been there the one time, but we drove around the town enough. I kind of remembered the layout of it and, and the mountains and, you know, we skied. So I saw some of it from high up and I'm looking down from the plane and I was like, I think that's Nauders. And so I took some pictures of it and compared it to the map later, and we decided that, yes, it was Nowders. And I was very proud of myself for spotting that from the air. So, I don't know, it's fun to look outside. It can be really relaxing if you give yourself the space to be relaxed. I think it's important to prepare appropriately and to have a plan on how to tackle this stuff. Then once you've got those things going, if you can manage to get yourself to a point of relaxing, then it, these days can be really enjoyable, even, even if they get frustrating sometimes. Uh, when we're talking about these long travel days, basically comes down to planes, trains, and automobiles. And boats. And, yeah, boats. But, you know, the planes, trains, and automobiles thing. I couldn't resist. Yeah. I can never resist. <laughs> I love a reference. These all have various pros and cons, right? So planes. You get wherever you're going a lot faster. Can go over oceans, which is super handy. <laughs> you occasionally want to do that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you are stuffed into a teeny tiny little metal tin can with a couple hundred strangers. Yes. Very close Potentially quarters. crying babies. That part is And the security. Long. The security is a pain about traveling. Going through that level of security can be a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Especially because different security measures are taken all over the world. Mm. Like when you were in Istanbul and you're like, why did I have to go through security like five times? Oh my gosh, it was crazy. And I was like, I'm already in the Ash- international terminal. I'm not entering your country. I'm going on to another international flight. Why do I have to go through security two more times? One nice thing about traveling by plane is that If one is delayed and you miss your connecting flight, typically the airline will compensate you for that and they will take care of you and get you on the next available flight. And a lot of times, sometimes if if you're going to somewhere strange or somewhere that not many people go to, it can be more difficult. But a lot of times there's a, there's so many flights on a daily basis that there's a way to get to your destination and they will you know, find a way to get you on that plane. It can be immensely stressful and frustrating, but at least you're not on your own figuring out a new situation. Like if you miss your train, nobody's going to help you figure out what train you need to take next. Yeah, no. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was on my way over to Zagreb, uh, I left, or was it? I left Lisbon. Oh no, I was on my way to Valencia. And what should have been a two hour plane ride was like that plane was canceled and they ended up rerouting me and it took, I don't know, Something like 24 hours to get me yeah. there. It was miserable. And they didn't comp me the air or the hotel like they were supposed to. So that was extra fun and stressful. And I do I do think that that's immensely stressful when you miss a connection or something is delayed. No matter which way you're traveling. I, at least with flights, the airline typically will help you get a new connection yeah. to get you there one way or another. Whereas when we were in Lecce... And we were trying to figure out what train to take to Otranto. <laughs> we got no help at all. We're like comparing the maps. We're going back and forth to the, the timetable and the screens and the ticket machines and trying to figure out like no one was willing to help us. We tried going to the ticket counter and the guy was just like, no, the train that goes to Otranto left already. And we were like, is there a way we can get closer? Like, is there another one? Like, how do we they, get here? Yeah, they're like, that's not my job. 
I don't yeah. care. <laughs> they did not care. So I think that is one benefit by, of traveling by, by plane is that the airline typically does, they take responsibility for getting you there. And sometimes they suck at it. And sometimes the customer service is terrible. But it is a resource that you don't have with other forms of travel. Yeah. Which I greatly appreciate. Mm -hmm. We kind of segued into trains there. So one of the cons is that you don't have that assistance. But it's a lot easier to move about on a train. So you can get up, walk around, stretch your legs. Um, Bathrooms are bigger. There's more space. Yeah, the bathrooms. Um, One thing I really like about uh, trains is that the more expensive, like nicer business class tickets aren't typically much more expensive. They're maybe $10, $20, maybe $30 more than regular tickets. Yeah. But it's still within reason, and yeah. they're worth it. Unlike yeah. on a you know first on a, class, flight, on a yeah. flight, those tickets are hundreds of dollars more sometimes. Oh, at least I I was looking at the upgrading to first class on my Turkish Airlines flight coming back from Chicago, and it was fifteen hundred dollars more. Yeah, that's no. So that's one thing I really like about trains is that you can upgrade to the business class, and it is nicer, but it's not like supreme. It's just, it's nicer, it's quieter, seats are a bit bigger. Yeah. The prices are pretty reasonable for trains. Uh, They do get you there typically faster than buses will. Sometimes there are exceptions to that rule, Mm -hmm. for sure. Buses are definitely the cheapest. They're also the slowest. (laughs) While you technically are, you know, allowed to, like, stand up, it's not really something you do much on the bus. It's a little, it's difficult because, you know, you're driving around. Yeah. So you're... It's bumpy. They make turns sometimes suddenly. Yeah. So it's um, it's a lot more difficult to move or move about the cabin. Which is, although it is nice that a lot of the times the buses have bathrooms on them. So if you absolutely have to, you can. Although in my experience, they're not like the nicest. But they're there. They exist. They exist to be used. And buses will make stops because yeah. um, the drivers need a break too. They'll stop for 15, 20 minutes, let people off to... Get some snacks, go to the bathroom, stretch their legs. And that's something of note, too, is that there aren't snacks available on buses. On trains, there's usually some sort of dining car, um, but you have to pay for that. On planes, there's usually some sort of complimentary snack, at least, plus additional things you can pay for. So the food food options are... Yeah, buses where you want to be the uh, most prepared. And then boats, obviously, something you want to use to get across water. They are much, much slower than flying. Yeah. Significantly. <laughs> Significantly slower than flying. I'm pretty so, sure sometimes you can swim faster. But it's kind of fun. Oh, I yeah. really like going on the I ferry. I like ferries. Particularly, like, I like an overnight ferry when I can book a room. And then I have my little room and, I don't know, I, I enjoy a ferry. No, I dig it. Like the one we took on our way to Albania. And ferries will have the full, I mean, they're kind of like mini cruise ships. They're usually pretty run down because nobody takes ferries. But they'll have the bar and the restaurant. The one that we took to Albania had an ice cream parlor. It was so cute, you yeah. guys. Yeah. Sometimes there's some sort of like entertainment room of some sort yeah. or like a library. I think there's the most to do on a ferry. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, at the very least, you can go hang out at the bar and, like, talk to people. You can go get dinner. You can walk around. There's so many seating options, too. Yeah. Um, there's usually, like, lounge seating, dining sets. So they're definitely the most comfortable, I think. I would agree. Uh, but they do take forever. You're looking at this on a map and you're like, oh, it's like, I don't know, 100 miles. Yeah, nothing crazy. It shouldn't take that you know, that long to get there. And they're like, six hours later. You're You're like, like, how fast is this thing going? Yeah. (laughs) 
distance obviously is going to factor into what choice you make and it may ultimately make the decision for you. You're not going to take a bus from New Mexico to Croatia. Yeah. That's not going to work. You could, in theory, take a boat uh, from New York to London, but... Would you want to, though? (laughs) I mean, at that point, it's like, that's the trip. Yeah. You know, that's the trip. Then you're going to get to London. Yeah, you're on a cruise. Sometimes you have to take a plane. Sometimes it's too short of a distance and there aren't, you know, planes connecting it. Or maybe you're in an area, particularly in the States, where there aren't trains connecting those places. So it's bus or bust. Uh, We didn't really talk about long car rides, which I think is pretty common for Mm. most of our listeners. So long car rides, at least you have the control. That's the pro there is that you are in control of when you stop. I think it's they probably end up being a little bit more on the expensive side though, because you're also fully responsible for the gas. So you're, you know, for a bus ride, you might pay $12. And for the same journey by car, you might pay $100 because of gas. Right. And if you're renting the car versus if you own the car, there's right. a lot more factors that go into the car ride rather than a bus. Yeah, absolutely. But you do have the option to like take detours and do smaller stops and stuff if yeah. you take a car. So you have to weigh your options, figure out which is going to be the best choice for your trip. And again, distance may make the decision for you. Let's talk about long transit times. When you know that you're going to be on this thing for a very long time, I recommend that you choose your bookings carefully because when you're comparing options on how to get from point A to point B, uh, you want to think about what kind of, like how long of a layover you want, how much time do you actually want to spend traveling, how long are you willing to be on that plane or bus or whatever for before you're going to need a break. Yeah. I, like when we were looking at getting from Couture, Montenegro to Morocco, Marrakesh, all of the options for flights were like 30 hours of yeah. travel. Yeah. And, and obviously we weren't going to be on a plane for 30 hours. It was all of the other factors that like got into that, that we decided that it was not worth yeah. the hassle. We managed to find the option out of Zagreb that is only going to be about eight hours. Yeah. Of travel time, which is obviously much, much more manageable. You can kind of finagle things because we also had to, in order to do that, we had to take this bus ride to Zagreb, which is going to take us 13 hours. We do have a transfer in there and we figured that traveling by bus, that was more manageable. And it's overnight. So if we, you know, if we can, we'll sleep Mm -hmm. because that is certainly helpful. You know, this is... It's all personal decisions. Some of you may much prefer spending 32 hours in airports and airplanes to a 13-hour bus ride. Right. Which is totally fair. You just have to determine what you would prefer to do and look for those other options. Look out of nearby airports and transit to those other airports Uh, because there might be something that is much more convenient or much more manageable. Transfer, long transit time, whatever. And so that's worth looking for. Yeah, my parents will drive down to like Sacramento or San Francisco or somewhere over there that has a bit bigger airports and a little more access mm-hmm. rather than flying out of Reno because it's cheaper and they yeah. don't mind the drive. When I was flying over to Lisbon, I went down to San Francisco because the flights were 
way cheaper and going to San Francisco wasn't as big a deal, wasn't too far out of my way. So it just made it easier to do it that way. Good. Nice. Then once you've chosen your bookings carefully, choose your seat carefully. Again, a lot of this is going to be personal preference. I personally really enjoy the window because again, I like looking outside, but if you're on a window seat over the wing of an airplane, it sucks. (laughs) Because they're like, I sat here so I could see things and I can't see anything. (laughs) In which case, being in the aisle might be better because now you can get up and move around a lot easier. Because you can't see anything out that window anyway. Yeah. And some people just prefer that. You know, they they would much rather have the ability to stand up whenever they want to than have the view. Right. So, you know, that's, that's, again, personal preference. But make sure that you do choose your seat and think about where you want to sit. Also, sitting towards the front can be good if you know that you have a connecting flight and a short layover in between those connecting flights. Because if you've only got 45 minutes to get from gate B12 to gate A32, run. you're going to want to be sitting near the front, you know, so that you you can get off that plane quickly and run to your next flight. Personally, I do not book flights that close together because I hate that. I want to be able to relax. And if I know I've got two hours until my next flight, then I don't care if I'm the last person off the airplane, you know? Well, it's always a good Thing to just kind of assume that your flight will be arriving late because yeah. that happens all the time. It's quite frequent, yeah. So, yeah, you don't want to have a half-hour layover because your flight could very well be delayed by a half an hour and now you are SOL. Yeah. Um, I also think it depends on the airline as well because some airlines will board from the back, some will board from the front, some will board based on what time you checked in. <laughs> so that is different from airline to airline as well. I saw some things on the internet about not sitting near a restroom because mm-hmm. it could smell. Yep. But I was sitting near the restrooms on both of my overnight flights on Turkish Airlines and I had no problem with bad smells. I don't know what they were doing in those bathrooms, but they smelled great. Yeah. Every time the door opened, it was like flowers. And I was <laughs> like, ooh. And it was actually kind of nice because particularly my flight over there, I was in the very last row. And on that particular model of airplane, that last row was only a two-seater. We had more space. The seats were a little bit further apart. Uh, the aisle was wider right next to me. And it was one of the most comfortable flights I've ever had even though I was sitting right next to the bathroom. But that was kind of convenient, too, because I always knew when it was open. Yeah. <laughs> I never had to wait in line. <laughs> yeah, I uh, took, I think it was like a, I don't know, maybe a 10-hour flight, and I was sat in the very last row. Yeah. And what happened is I made friends with the flight attendants. Also, I am going to post in the show notes a website called Seat Guru. And what this does is you can look up specific models of airplanes on specific airlines and it will show you the model of that airplane and the seats and the ratings for the seats like which seats are better than others it's pretty cool and it'll tell you why as well Hmm. cool yeah for long transit times i mean just in general but i think especially for when you've got a big travel day it can be really nice to have tsa pre-check this is basically just like a preemptive background check with the U.S. government so that you can get through airport security faster and with less hassle. Uh, it's a lot of things like you don't actually have to take anything out of the out of your carry-ons. You don't have to take your shoes or belts or whatever off. There's usually a, a expedited line. They say that you will not have to wait any longer than five minutes to get through security, which in some airports, like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, in Reno... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had to wait more than five minutes to get through security. No. But in, say, 
LAX, a little, little bit of a longer wait if you don't have TSA pre-check. And this is really pretty easy to do. It's a form that you fill out online. So there is a fee associated with this. Uh, it's $78 for five years. And then your re-enrollment fee is $70 when you renew online. And you do have to go in for like a 10-minute sort of, hi, I am actually the person that signed up for this. Here's my fingerprints. <laughs> but that can be done any enrollment center, which is most U.S. airports. So it's really not that difficult to do. And then you're good for five years. And honestly, it's been, I've really enjoyed having it. I've definitely thought it was worth the the $78 fee. So that is an option to look into, particularly if you travel a lot. If you travel a lot, just do it. Just don't, just, it's worth it. Trust me. When you are on a, a train, those long train rides, uh, there are some etiquette matters that you should be aware of. Uh, pay attention to whether or not you're in a quiet car, a designated quiet car, because that's where people go to do business or to sleep. And if you're in there being noisy, you are being very rude. Don't do that. Also, it's generally frowned upon to put your shoes on the seat across from you. I think it's kind of accepted that if you take your shoes off, you could put your feet on the seat across from you. But personally, I frown on taking your shoes off. In public transit. In public transit, because even if your feet don't, smell you are then setting an example for everybody else on the train and one of them might follow suit and their feet might smell and then you're suffering for that yeah so i think that if we all just sort of agree to just keep our shoes on that's probably a good policy yeah <laughs> and i know that that can be a little bit uncomfortable but and i've definitely like been on oh, a plane or a train and needed to take my shoes off for just like two or three minutes just to let my feet breathe a little bit to kind of stretch my toes out and then I put my shoes back on. Hmm. I give myself like two minutes and I put yeah. my shoes back on because it's polite. I, I don't know. I would almost say going to – typically there, there's some area on the public transit where uh, there, it's more open, usually near the doors. And that might be a good place to do that because you're a little bit further away from most of the seats. So it's a little more discreet. Obviously, I mean, you don't have to do that, but it's just something that I and my overthinking, <laughs> worrying about what everybody if everybody else's comfort – I would probably do that where like on a train, if you go towards the doors, there's usually a whole section there where there's just no seats. Um, and then you take your shoes off and like stretch your feet and all that and stuff. And there's nobody there to be bothered by it. So I might recommend that. Make sure you know where to get off. Yeah. Pay attention. <laughs> I had this problem on the bus that I took to Belgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just sort of assumed that my ticket was for the main train station in Belgrade because when I booked it, I booked it to Belgrade and typically the default is the main train station. So I just one would assume. So I was waiting for that, but I started chatting with the other people sitting near me and stuff, and they're like, "What station are you getting off at?" And so I showed them my ticket, and they were like, "Oh, that's this stop." And so then I panicked, thinking that I was at the stop that I wanted, and I got off the bus, and I was in the middle of nowhere, and nowhere near the main train station, and nowhere near the stop that I wanted. <laughs> And so I ended up walking around for, I don't even remember, I think it was at least three hours in the rain. But you made it. I did make it. But this is why you want to know where to get off and make sure that you're paying attention to that. And if you're planning on sleeping, set an alarm. You don't want to sleep through your stop. I um, knew an exchange student once who got on the train in Berlin to go home and woke up in Poland. <laughs> No, it's easy to do. And the next train, it was the last train of the night, so the next train wasn't for, like, five hours. And he was like, crap. <laughs> Damn it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So knowing where to get off and making sure that you don't miss the stop are important. So sleepers, this is pretty much trains and um, ferries that we're talking about here. You can get a sleeper cabin. Um, On trains, they convert the seats into beds. Mm -hmm. And there can be a variety of different number of berths in one room. I think it's like up to six or something. Actually, I think I've seen eight berth rooms on trains, which is like they're packed in like sardines. I never want to do that. It looks awful. It cracks me up is that because they're, you know, layered up, the people at the top kind of have like a a netting to keep them from falling off the train during stops. Yeah. Which gives me so much anxiety. Yeah. Holy moly. The one time I did it, I had my little room to myself, which was great. And, you know, they brought me breakfast and all that, too. So that was nice. Was that on a train or on the the ferry? And then we took a ferry from... Italy to Albania. Right. We went to Duras, and then I also did one to Vlora. And both of those were, we got sleepers. Yeah. And I did, um, I've been on sleepers on trains twice, both of which were um, six berth. Mm, a little crammed, a little packed. It wasn't too bad the first time. I don't think it was full. Mm. The second time was full, absolutely full. There were actually seven people because there were, um, well, there was a little kid. Although the beds were pretty comfortable, you know, I slept decently. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not, you know, memory foam or anything. They're not no. cushy. They're not dreamy beds, but they're, they're not uncomfortable by and any means. It is far more comfortable than sitting eight hours straight. Yes. Yeah, particularly overnight. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah, and I really liked the ones we took to Duras. Yeah, I've noticed fairies, I, the, the cabins seem a little dirtier and more run down to me. I didn't always feel like everything was as clean as it could be. But at the end of the day, you know, nothing bad happened. Yeah. Um, we had our was, little bathroom. That was great. Yes, we liked having our own little bathroom. It was comfortable. It's nice to have somewhere, like a, a door that you can lock to ha- leave your stuff behind so you can wander around the boat freely. So I think it's good. I think it's worth it. And I think that the ferry thing, it is fun to do at least once in your life. Yeah, I agree. Especially with the sleeper. The sleeper yeah. is good. On ferries, seasickness. There are ways that you can battle seasickness. I know my mom likes those little bracelets with the the little plastic knob on them that pushes into your wrist. Uh, she says those work wonders. There's also medications and things like that that you can take for seasickness. You got ginger. Ginger yeah. can be good for nausea. If you know that you are easily motion sick, I would definitely bring a couple of different remedies on a ferry, or actually any any form of, can happen on planes and trains too, the motion sickness. Yeah, one of my friends can't sit backwards on a train because she'll get sick. Right. If you aren't sure if you're going to suffer from any sort of motion sickness, but you know that like you do get car sick or you get easily sick on rides and things like that, make sure that you bring a couple of different motion sickness remedies to find out what works best for you in the moment. Be careful with your luggage, especially on trains. It's not uncommon for people to try to steal luggage off the train when it's at a stop. So make sure that it's within eyesight. I read a Rick Steves article and he said that he makes friends with all the people sitting near the luggage rack so that they'll be a little more invested in his luggage and the safety and security of it. And if somebody does try to steal it, somebody there is going to see it and know that that person, it's not that person's luggage and hopefully intervene. And he also wraps the straps around the luggage rack 
to make sure that, like, if they just give it a tug, it's not going to come loose. Right. Because then it's, like, it's not worth the effort if it's difficult. Yeah, if you can't just sneak it off, it's going to be way more of a hassle. Yeah. You risk getting caught. So, yeah, it's better to. So, anytime with that, you definitely, you, I think, especially on trains, buses usually have the undercarriage, which I imagine there's potential there because they don't always check your ticket if, you know, your luggage ticket for whether you're actually pulling off the luggage that's yours. Right. And those things are just kind of a free-for-all. But at least it's secured during the ride so people can't scope it out. And I always, like, watch whenever we're at a stop and people are taking their luggage out. I always check to make sure they're not taking our luggage. Mm, that's a plus. Whenever they're walking away, I'm like, oh, that's none of that's mine, so not too worried about it. And that's a good idea. Yeah. That's a very good idea. Because I'm not going to get off the bus to, like, watch them make sure they're not taking our things. Yeah. We haven't had any issues yet. No, we haven't. Hey, guys, keep your valuables on your person. Yes. I mean, especially we were talking to our neighbors. Um, hey, we made friends with our neighbors in Montenegro, you yeah. guys. We're very excited about Shout that. Shout out, guys. Yes. Um, Dave and Suzanne, they're lovely. Yes. We love them. Um, and we were talking to them the other night. They came over for taco night yeah. in Montenegro. Because we found cilantro. We found cilantro. So excited. We were excited. They lost their luggage while flying last year, right? Right. Yeah. And Suzanne eventually got hers back, but Dave never saw his luggage again. And that can happen. I think it's relatively uncommon for it to happen, generally speaking, that you just never see it again. Typically, they eventually find it and get back to you. But there's definitely a possibility that you never see it again. Like with that, that whole situation last summer where there were bags just piling up at airports around the world and they completely lost track of all of it. I think a lot of people probably lost their luggage. And so that can happen. And you want to be aware of that. You know, even if they do find it again, you might be going weeks or months without it. You want to make sure that you have in your carry-on and your personal item, everything that you would need if your luggage got lost. All of your valuables, along with a couple extra pairs of underwear, a spare outfit. My mom always puts her bathing <laughs> suit in her carry-on because she says that if her luggage gets lost, she can just hang out at the hotel pool until they find it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which I think is a great plan. Life lessons here. It's so chill. With Marti with a you know, drinking yeah. hand. 10 out of 10 would be yeah. yeah. So I learned that from her. But anything that you don't want to lose permanently, anything that you would want to have with you if you lose your luggage for a couple days, make sure that stuff is in your carry-on and in your personal item. Oh, I'm surprised that I kept all my luggage throughout the fiasco I had getting between you know, Lisbon and Valencia because I was on three different flights mm. because it was supposed to be the one flight. Canceled three different flights. There were delays and mis and you know different routing and it was insane. I seriously got to Valencia. And I was like, I'm not gonna have my luggage. I just I'm just not. And then it came through on the carousel, and I was like, Oh my god! I don't know how that worked out because it was a mess. Yeah, I lucked out because so when I arrived in Berlin, I had one connecting flight, and my. First flight got in a little late, not a lot, but a little. And so I kind of had to rush to my next flight. My bag missed it. I got to Berlin and the carousel's going around. My bag was not there. <laughs> Does not bode well considering the chaos unfolding with the bags around the world right now. Yeah. So I went to the 
counter and they were able to tell me that it was on the next flight that was coming in an hour later. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> like, thank goodness I lucked out. Make sure that you are aware of how long a train or bus will be at a stop before you go to the bathroom or to get food, because it would really, really suck to go into the bathroom and then come out and realize that the train or bus with all of your things on it has driven away. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I was on a train one time and people got off the train for a break and it was, uh, you know, maybe 15 minute stop. And these people got knocked for a smoke break, bathroom break, whatever. And the train started taking off and they were following the train like, please stop. Someone else in the cabin pushed the emergency stop and they got they got on. But you're not supposed to do that. No. <laughs> they got in trouble. They yeah. weren't supposed to. I mean, everyone else was really grateful that they got on the train. Yeah. But that's not what the emergency stop is for. No, no. <laughs> this is why you really want to make sure that you know how long it's going to be before you go anywhere. And do not dawdle. <laughs> Do yeah. not dawdle. It, you would much rather be back on that train 10 minutes early than miss it. And you know what I've done before where I've been nervous that the train's going to leave? I will just get on wherever. It doesn't matter. It's not my car. I just get oh, onto yeah. the train and then I do what I call the uh, full train shuffle <laughs> where you just go from one end of the train to the other. Just And you typically won't do this with a train, but at least on a bus, I would actually talk to the driver and be like, I am going to do this thing. Please don't leave without me. Yeah. <laughs> because if you specifically talk to them about it, a lot of times they, they will pay attention to when you're coming back. And they'll wait until they see you come back before they go anywhere. Yeah, and that is one nice thing about buses is it, they can wait a few extra yes. minutes. Trains don't care. Well, and also that on a train, they're not going to necessarily recognize or look for every single passenger on, passenger on a train because there's a lot of them. Whereas like on a bus, there's 20 people on the bus. So if you specifically say, please, I'm, I'm going to the bathroom. Please don't leave without me. They can keep an eye out for you because they will recognize you because there's only 20 people that they're responsible for right now. Yeah. Mm. I've definitely seen people, uh, this woman, she was, she put her luggage on the train first. She got on the train and turned around to grab her child uh. and put the child on the train and the door shut in her face. Someone pressed the emergency stop and everything was okay. Yeah. But like, that's the other thing, like, be super aware because those doors will not open. Yeah. Yeah. Panicking. I would put the kid on first. Yeah. That's the other thing. Put your child on first. Yeah. <laughs> Though not without you. Whenever I have like my multiple bags with me and I know it's going to take me a minute to like, I try to keep one foot on the platform and one foot on the train and then just sort of put them up and then I will deal with them once yeah. they're all on. But if it's not going to close literally on you. Typically, no. not typically. to say that you should stick your hand through don't the doors. Do that. Don't do that. Don't do, do that. Do not do that. Also, never go through, through a security gate. And I recommend keeping your ticket and your passport on your person so that if you accidentally go through, through a security gate, you can still get back through. It's not terribly common on trains because you typically don't need to get off the train to go get things because it's got the dining car and the bathroom and everything on the train. But buses, you know, you have to get off and go to the restroom, find food, whatever. Mm. Sometimes they have you go through a security gate to enter the bus station. Yeah. And if you don't have a ticket, they may not let you back through. It's really important in airports. Not on airport, not on airports. Because you, then you have to go through security all over again. I mean, you can't, if you have your ticket and your passport, you can get back through. But that's why you should keep it on you, though. Because if for some reason you accidentally walk the wrong way down a hallway and end up on the wrong side of the security 
then you can get back through. Pay attention to your surroundings and never go through a security gate or never go the wrong way through a security gate. (laughs) Keep your essentials close at hand. Anything you might want during the long flight, train ride, bus ride, whatever, you want to have at your feet, not in the overhead compartment. You want to have that in your personal items. So things like chapstick, lotion. Deodorant. Yeah. And speaking of that freshening up, I think it is important to make a little trip to the bathroom during your journey uh, in order to brush your teeth, put deodorant on. It'll make you feel a lot better. And also it's nice for all the people are sitting around you that you are taking care of your hygiene. Pillows, eye masks, earplugs, and headphones, blankets. These are all good things if you're going to be overnight Mm -hmm. on a transit, farm transit. It's kind of up to you what you want to do here. I know a lot of people that swear by those U-shaped neck pillows, travel pillows. Personally, I don't travel with one. But that's why on overnight flights, I like to be sitting on the window seat. Because I lean up against the wall and just sort of like wedge my jacket or whatever there. And it's fine. It works fine. Yeah, I used to have this down puffy jacket that could be like rolled up into its own hood. Mm -hmm. And it would make a pillow. It was my favorite thing because I had a travel pillow slash jacket on, especially on planes. You wear layers so that I was, I stayed warm. I had a pillow, but mm. I didn't have to carry around an extra chunk of luggage or a pillow for planes specifically. Cause yeah. sometimes you don't, you just don't have enough room. Yeah. So. Well, and also like I, those things are so bulky and. Which if you like them by all means. Yes. Never... But they might not be necessary. And yeah. So it, it's a matter of personal preference. Eye masks and earplugs, I feel like are, they're so small. They're really easy to pack and they really, if you're having trouble sleeping, they can help a lot. Noise canceling headphones are also highly recommended. I mean, I just travel with my wireless AirPods, but I don't know. Some people don't like the headphones that they give out on the flights. I hate them. That they use to plug into the system. system. Actually, one thing but, about the masks and the earplugs, um, I have a little essentials kit. It's just this little zip-up bag that I keep in my purse. Mm-hmm. Just the absolute essentials that I can keep in its own little bag so that no matter where I go, you I just have... toss it in. Yeah. Yeah. And so I highly recommend doing that. It's yeah. been very helpful. Yeah. And I, I think uh, wipes are really important for public transportation because you never know who was sitting there before you or what kind of germs they might have. I do both baby wipes for cleaning me and then sanitary wipes for cleaning the things. Mm. I was also going to say on the headphones front, the I think it depends because the, the earbuds they give out are awful. Yeah. But on the overnight flight that I had, they gave out proper headphones that were much more comfortable. And those I was perfectly happy to use for 12 hours straight. <laughs> so blankets, they usually give out on overnight flights. So I don't necessarily feel the need to bring one, but on trains or buses, they do not give those out and you might want to bring one uh, if that's going to make you more comfortable. And on that note, dress comfortably and in layers for these really long flights. Um, For shorter flights, I kind of like dressing up to go to the (laughs) airport and to get on the flight because... I don't know. I think it's fun. It makes me feel like a jet setter. (laughs) But on longer flights, I will definitely try to dress comfortably. And you do want layers because a lot of these forms of public transportation, the temperatures can vary wildly. Yeah. The more options you have as far as how much clothing you want to be wearing, the better. I wore two pairs of pants on the way over here. I wore a pair of leggings and then a pair of like 
um, jeans. And I was really grateful because there came points when I was freezing cold. And I was so glad I had an extra pair of pants. And then there came a point when I went to go to sleep, I took off the jeans and rolled those up. That was something I just started doing. And I I really liked it. Oh, good. Make sure to bring plenty to keep you busy. It goes a lot faster when you have something to do. Yeah, we used to bring a couple of books with us on trips. Mm. My parents eventually got sick of toting around like six hardcover copies of books. Um, (laughs) It got me a Kindle. Best thing ever, because I would read all day, every day. So make sure that you're stocked up on games, books, movies. Podcasts are great because it takes less energy than watching a movie on your device. So your device will, will last longer. Do not forget chargers. And most forms of public transportation have some sort of USB or outlet available now, but sometimes those are broken. So also bring extra batteries, extra ways to charge. I also recommend getting up often. I know that it can be a bit of a hassle to like get the person in the aisle seat to move, but I do think that it's worth it. It will make the trip a lot more enjoyable if you get up and walk up and down the plane or the train, do some stretching, go to the bathroom. I would recommend making those times count. I love my Apple Watch and it asks me to get up, you know, for at least one minute every hour. So I'll basically get up every two hours, like at the end of one hour and the beginning of the next one and stay standing up for about 10 minutes mm-hmm. and do some stretching and walking around. And that keeps me pretty good. Yeah, I have nothing to add. That sounds exactly right. Yep. Uh, And make sure you stay hydrated. Which the only downside of that is you're getting up pretty often to use the restroom, but hey, you're getting up. But again, I feel like every, you know, two hours to go to the restroom, you know, making sure that you're drinking at least a cup of water or juice or whatever every couple hours. Um, Some people like to drink booze to get through these uh, long journeys, but I would not recommend drinking much of it. Yeah, moderation is moderation key. is key and make sure you're staying hydrated. And then I wanted to cover seat partner etiquette. You obviously want to be friendly and polite, but I do think that sometimes people are not in the mood to talk and that is completely acceptable. That is me. I am she. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> but I think that it's important that, you know, at the beginning when you sit down, you say hello, exchange names, make sure that you're on friendly terms so that when you need that person on the aisle to move, it's, it's a little bit easier to ask, I think. Plus, it just, you know, be, being polite to people. And sometimes you are sitting next to somebody really interesting, somebody that's, you know, well-traveled or that likes something you like, and it can be fun to start up a conversation. I think it's important to pay attention to cues that they want to be having this conversation with you versus they want to be left alone. If they are also furthering the conversation by continuing to ask you questions as well or continuing to bring up new topics – then, yeah, keep the conversation going. If they keep putting in their headphones, <laughs> stop talking to them. <laughs> or sometimes I, I need I need to get work done. You know, I haven't posted a blog post in two weeks, and I'm, I've decided that that is what I'm doing on this flight. And then somebody is talking to me, to, to me the entire time, and I'm like, do you see the laptop with the work on it? I'm trying <laughs> to be productive here. Yeah. So just, just be aware, pay attention to the signals the other person is sending. Don't take your shoes off. Don't take your shoes off. We covered that, though. People with long hair, be aware of where your hair is going. Yeah. If you decide to wear it down or it's in a ponytail, make sure it's still in your seat. Yeah. I've had people, like, toss their hair up and over and it lands on, like, my screen on my on the back of their seat. Oh. And, like, you feel weird because you're like, excuse me, can you not? <laughs> can or, you please stop curtaining my screen? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, be aware of where your body parts are as well. Yes, yeah. And I, I do think it's really important because some people are, like, touch sensitive too. Mm-hmm. And if you are spilling over into their seat and they're shrinking progressively further away from you, it's – try to avoid doing that. Yeah. Like, and I, I get that it's it can be difficult because those seats are so itty-bitty tiny. Just being aware and doing your due diligence to try to make the people around you comfortable, I think, is is worthwhile. Yeah. So I don't typically – pick my seats um, majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember I was flying home, I think from Arkansas, and it was a like five hour flight. And this gentleman was like seven feet tall. I realized that he was going to have to sit in the middle because I got randomly assigned the aisle. So I, I moved over for him because I was just aware of how like large this person was. I'm like, yeah. it's going to be most comfortable for everyone if you are not in the middle. <laughs> And the last thing I want to talk about during first seat etiquette is to be aware of smells and potential allergies. I am pretty severely allergic to peanuts. I mean, I know that sometimes that's just something I have to deal with on a plane because I'm not so allergic that I'm going to go into anaphylactic shock if somebody opens a packet of peanuts on an airplane. I don't, like, notify the airline that there can't be any peanuts on the plane because I feel like that's a little extra for my discomfort. But... Most airlines have stopped doing peanuts for that reason, because peanuts are a pretty common allergy. But I still sometimes have people that open a jar of peanut butter right next to me on the airplane. And I'm like, oh, my God, can you not? Because the contaminants are going to get around and I'm going to get a rash. And one, um, I worked at a school with a kid who had such a severe allergy to peanuts that mm-hmm. even if he touched something that someone else had touched with peanut oil on their hands, yeah. he could go into anaphylactic shock. And obviously you can't prepare for every allergy on the face of the planet, but some of those more common ones that can be really severe, you know, it might be worth thinking about whether this thing is going to cause potential problems. And a jar of peanut butter is very different than a granola bar that you're going to kind of like keep in its wrapper while you eat it and then securely stow the wrapper away. Right. You know, they're very, they're two very different things. That's something to think about. And also I know a lot of people have, are very sensitive to like perfumes or other strong smells. And if they're trapped in a tin can with you sitting right next to them and you were wearing way too much cologne, that is not massively unpleasant, but it's massively unpleasant. On the other side of the spectrum, somebody who doesn't wear anything and all you have is BO, just as rough. And some people don't have f- total control over that. You know, there's various medical reasons why you might have more, more sweat or BO than other people. And so I think just do your best and do try to take care of your hygiene. If you can make a couple trips to the restroom to kind of freshen up, soap and water, I think that's good. And definitely use deodorant. That's why I like baby wipes so yeah. much because they're versatile. You can just clean. Your face, your mm-hmm. your body, bit of deodorant, and you're good to go. Yeah. And I do think it can be really, really nice after a long flight or train ride or whatever to freshen up a bit. You know, I go to the bathroom and I do my little routine and then I feel like a real person. Yeah. I just woke up for the day as opposed to somebody that just got off a 13-hour flight. Yeah. A gremlin <laughs> yeah. who's just crawling out of the can. Yeah. Those little things can really make a difference in your experience and how you feel when you arrive. Long layovers. I always recommend on a layover that you use the restroom and get something to eat. While they typically will feed you something on an airplane, you don't know how, you know, what it's going to be, how much it's going to be, or when they're going to serve it. Plus, those flights are kind of typically pretty sad looking. And you don't get any choices in them either. 
So like half the time they they serve you something that you're like, why vegetarian or chicken? Those are your choices. Yeah. You're just like, is it real chicken? Or at least sometimes they'll serve these weird like. I got like boiled eggplant on one of them recently, <laughs> and I was like, why is that the vegetable you chose? That's a very interesting choice. I don't know. And so I definitely recommend get something to eat that don't and don't go for junk food. As pleasant as that sounds, it's not going to do any favors in the long run. Yeah, don't choose Cheetos where the dust is going to go everywhere. You're sticky. It's not yeah. filling. Yeah. Well, like, and I'm not saying anything against like any burger or fries, but oh, something yeah. with some sort of nutritional value. I like half the time there's a KFC in there and people are just like chowing down on fried chicken. And I'm like, that's not, you're not going to be happy about that later. Particularly if that's not part of your normal diet, those sorts of things will mess you up. You're risking a lot of digestive distress. If you do stuff like if you eat food outside your norm, get something that's reasonable and filling that will sustain your, yeah. Hunger. If you're going to be there for a while, it could be nice to set up camp. We like finding a spot that is quieter. Maybe if there's a gate that doesn't, that's near your gate that doesn't have a flight leaving for a long time. There's going to be fewer people over there. It's a little bit easier to take up some space. If you want to take naps, I often needed to take naps on particularly long layovers. It's okay to do that. Just be aware of your things and do your best to keep them as tucked away and anti-theft as possible. Yeah. I've definitely um, slept on top of my things before. You're not in too big a risk of people stealing things, but it is good to just have it. It's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. And some places have designated napping areas. I saw in the Istanbul airport, they literally had an entire room, these sort of leaned back chairs (laughs) that were all spread apart. It was designated for napping. That's awesome. Which, yeah. If you're going to be there for a while, I definitely recommend exploring the airport. Lots of airports have interesting things. There'll be lots of cool stores that you can check out. Sometimes lots of restaurants. I've seen airports with museums in them. So you can go visit a museum if you got the time for it. And as always, be aware of where the security gate is. Yes. Yeah, that's that's where we really want you to be careful. You don't want to accidentally walk down the wrong hallway and end up on the other side of security. Yeah. If you are at a train station or a bus stop and you're going to be stuck there for a while, it could be fun to explore the town depending on how much luggage you're carrying with you or if they have somewhere to store that luggage. A lot of train stations will have a place where you can drop off your luggage and they'll keep it safe for you. Yeah, I took a train uh, to Vienna and my train out of there wasn't for like three or four hours. So I walked around Vienna for a little bit just kind of nearby and got to explore a little bit. It was fun. Nice. Yeah, so it... I mean, I didn't have to go back through security or anything, so that was easy. Uh, so, yeah, recommend doing that if you can. Yeah. You have a couple hours downtime. It depends on how long your layover is. With the airport, it is possible you might be able to go out and explore the town, but you do have to make sure that you are considering the time it's going to take to get back to the airport and go through security again. Uh the first time that I went to Berlin with my parents, we were flying back and our flight was delayed. And so we missed our connecting flight in JFK. So we were stuck in New York overnight and our labor was like 12 hours or something like that. And we were like, well, we're in New York City. None of us have been to New York City before. Let's go check out New York City. We were able to do that because we had a long enough layover, but you do really need to be careful that you have enough time. Check your credit cards and rewards program benefits for lounge access. A lot of credit cards have like lounges in various airports that you can access if you have that credit card. 
And that's a much more comfortable place to spend a long layover. They also typically have complimentary snacks and drinks and things like that. And some airports have hotels. Uh, sometimes this is like a, a airport-specific hotel that's like in the airport. Or sometimes it's like a Hilton or something that is just sort of attached to the airport. Or an Ibis. I feel like Ibis usually has like an airport hotel. Yeah. In major cities. So if you do end up with like a long layover where you just, it's eight hours overnight or something like that, it might be worth it to get a room to catch some Z's. And sometimes if your layover is long enough, airlines have deals with the airports that they will comp, they will comp you a room. Anything else on long layovers? You're going to be there regardless. So try to find ways of enjoying it and being comfortable. Yeah. Because you don't have a choice. It's just like being on the plane for eight hours. You don't really have a choice. Yeah. So find things to that make it enjoyable. Yeah. And I do think that laborers are a great opportunity to stretch and move around and do things and, like, look at the – you know, check out what's there. Yeah. Because you're going to be sitting on the plane or the train or whatever for a very long time. So take advantage of this time to not go to the stores and wander around and check out. A lot of times there'll be like art displays or galleries in these airports. So, you know, take advantage of it. Excessive transfers. We've become experts in this. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think it's because we've been picking such weird, obscure places. You know, we're not going to Rome and Berlin and Paris. We're going to Otranto and Bassano del Grappa and... Couture. Couture. <laughs> yeah, places that are out of the way that take a little bit more. That are hard to get to. Yeah, harder to get to. Yeah. It takes so, a little bit more effort. What Between Bassano and Otranto, we had. That was, I think it was like a 10-hour train ride to get to. Lecce. Lecce. And then it was supposed to be, supposedly there was a bus, which we never found that bus. But yeah. there is a train that was like an hour from Lecce to Otrano. But we missed that. But we missed that last one. So we took a different train from Lecce to another nearby town and then took a taxi, taxi from, from there. that town to Otrano. And then when we got there, we were told to walk across town to a different place. <laughs> yes. So. Which, uh... Airbnb Nightmares is a different episode. You can listen to it there. These were exhausting days. So after that, when we left Toronto, we were like, do you know what would be better? (laughs) If we spread it out a little. Yeah. And so we basically did one leg of the journey at a time and then stayed there for at least a night. You know, so we took our, um, we took the train from Toronto to Lecce and we stayed night in Lecce. And then we took the train to Bari and got on the ferry. Mm-hmm. And we had the overnight ferry. And then we, to Duras. And then we stayed in Duras for two nights. Something like that. Two nights. Uh, and then took the bus to Kator. It was awesome. So easy, stress-free. We got to explore Lecce. It gave us an opportunity to explore Duras. And it was so much easier yeah. Than ever before. And we were not nearly as exhausted upon arrival because while we had to deal with our suitcases, we didn't have to drag them as far or spend as much time maneuvering them because it was, we split it up. Yeah. So while each day we had to, there were some pains with our suitcases, it wasn't all of that crammed into like a two day period. Yeah. We highly recommend that if you're going to have to do a lot of transfers, 
spread it out a little. Look up things as best as you can ahead of time. Yes. Tra- yeah. And cross-reference it with different sources, too. Like, don't take the word for it of the first source that you find. And be aware that the stuff online can be outdated in some of these places. Yeah, have a backup plan or six. Yeah, we have plan B, plan C. Plan F for fine, let's take a taxi. Fine, let's just walk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, consolidate your luggage and additional items as much as possible. You definitely want to have your hands free. When you're doing excessive, when you're transferring between forms of travel, it's going to be a lot easier to maneuver things if you don't have stuff hanging off your shoulders or... A water bottle, you know, with a carabiner makes a big difference because you can just hook it onto something. I also recommend doing a night before walkthrough. Step by step, make sure you have all the information you need because (laughs) I've lost track of the number of times that the night before you've been like, yeah, I... we. We downloaded all the the maps and tickets and things. And then the next day, we're fiddling with our phones going, I can't find the map for this. I can't find the ticket for this. So we've uh, learned from that. Doing a night for walkthrough of just step-by-step checking on your phone that you have all the things you need. And honestly, best for you, like, if you are traveling with another person, both do it. Yes. Yeah, you should both have all of the things. That way, if something happens, someone accidentally deleted the picture or the download, whatever, you both have it. Yeah, precisely. Most importantly, remain calm. Always. that I think that's going to be our resounding thing when it comes to travel. Stay calm. Stay calm. At the end of the day, as tired and fed up and exhausted as you are, you will survive this. You got there. <laughs> you will get to the location and you will get to sleep. <laughs> and food. And one of my favorite things yeah. is after we've been through some of like the longer travel days and we're exhausted and fed up and all that, going to the store and just getting like a comfort food. So remain calm. It will turn out okay. And you are not going to solve the problem by panicking. No. So just deep breaths. It will be okay. So for jet lag, uh, we recommend pre-gaming. Which means hitting that liquor counter so hard. No, that is no. Oh. No. That's not. Wrong kind? Wrong wrong kind of pre-game. Now, what I'm talking about here is before you leave... Try to shift your sleep schedule in whatever direction it needs to go in order to be closer to whatever your destination time zone is. Um, I don't recommend completely shifting over because A, that's not practical and B, it's a lot harder to do. But if you can just move your sleep schedule a couple hours in the right direction, it's going to be a lot easier on you uh, because... Now you just feel like you're going to bed a little bit earlier or you're staying up a little bit later. It doesn't feel like that massive shift. And when you get there, you won't feel like you're off by quite as many time zones. So that can help a lot. Uh, Sleeping in transit, I think it's important to pay attention to your destination location. If it is daytime where you're going, do not sleep in transit. Yeah. If it is nighttime where you're going, definitely try to sleep in transit. Even if you aren't actually sleeping, just laying there with your eyes closed and not doing anything else can kind of make you feel like you're getting a little bit of rest and it can help you when you arrive. Yeah, definitely. And once you arrive, especially if it's like uh, middle of the afternoon and you're exhausted because back home it'd be midnight, do your best to stay up until a reasonable hour, mm-hmm. like eight o'clock at night. Yeah, it's kind of early to go to bed, but you you made it there so that when you get a couple hours of sleep and you wake up the next morning, you're most likely going to be on the time zone that you're in. 
Yeah. So or at least you'll be a lot closer. You'll be a lot closer. It's a lot easier. You're still going to be tired for a few days, but at least your your body clock has now been shifted to that, that yeah. time. As opposed to arriving at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and taking a nap for an hour or two. That can mess you up. Do you well, I think a nap is okay. I think what you don't want to do is just go to sleep. Well, the problem is, well, in my experience, whenever I've tried to take the nap, mm-hmm. I end up falling asleep for like six hours. Yes. So I avoid naps until I can like properly pass out because if i try to take a two-hour nap and that turns into a six-hour nap i have just messed myself up even further yeah um i definitely think that's something to be aware of um but if you can just take an hour nap like that's i i think that's you know it's helpful it's helpful um but yeah it's i think it's beneficial to try to stay up though and best way to do that is to stay busy Yes. Don't hang out in the apartment or the hotel for six hours waiting for nighttime. Go out and do something. Yeah, because you will fall asleep. Yeah, you'll if fall asleep. If you're just hanging out in your in your room, you're you're gonna fall asleep, I guarantee it. Yeah. So get up, <laughs> get out, go you're in a new place. Go check it out for a few hours. You don't have yeah. to do go crazy. Just even if all you do is walk around the area that your hotel is in. Find a cafe that you wanna go visit in the morning. Uh locate a cool restaurant that you'll yeah want to do something find the tourist center and ask them what they recommend you know get grab the maps that you need find some brochures to to look at um like us i my typical first stop is finding a grocery store because Mm -hmm. we're going to be in places for extended periods of time Mm -hmm. so i always want to make sure you know i know where the grocery store is and i typically will walk there just to give myself something myself something to do for an hour or so um before going to bed and then we have food too it's you know twofer um, and again, stay hydrated and eat healthy. Uh, your body is going through enough trauma. Please don't put it through anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then consider your available recovery time. When I flew back from my cousin's wedding, I knew I was only going to have four days basically in Chicago. Um, and one of those days was going to be the rehearsal dinner. And one of those days was going to be the wedding. So I did not have time for jet lag. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so I tried to prepare a little bit ahead of time. I also was really, really strict my, with myself on the flight. I did not let myself sleep, even though I wanted to, um, because I knew I was going to be arriving in the evening in Chicago. And I was like, if I can just stay up, even though it's going to be, you know, nine o'clock in the morning in um, Montenegro, then I can go to sleep and then I will be on the right schedule. Um and then the next day, I, I just, again, was really, really strict with myself of like, nope, this is the schedule I'm on now. And I was able to, I mean, I was really tired the entire time I was there, but I very quickly got on to the right schedule. Um, so that was good. But then coming back, I was like, I know I'm going to have three more weeks in Montenegro and I'm going to be on this schedule for the rest of the time we're in Europe. So... I didn't need to get right on that schedule, and I had two days where I was nocturnal when I got back, <laughs> and then one day where I was just really, really tired all day, um, and then I was still up until a few days ago. I noticed I was more tired than usual, but so it took me a, a solid week to recover um, from the jet lag coming back, but I think part of that was because I knew that I had more recovery time. Yeah. Recovery time plays a really big role in that. Yeah. And it allows you to plan ahead if you think about it. Um, and you know how strict you need to be with yourself. Because it can be really, really difficult to to switch time zones like that and to, to make that switch so abruptly. Especially when it is, like, if it's two or three hours, it's not usually a big deal. 
when it's an eight, nine, ten hour difference, that hits your system rough. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, if you can give yourself a little more time for that, that's great. Um, But if you don't have the time, then plan ahead and, you know, go on with the game plan on how you're going to make that switch. Yeah. Yeah. All right, neighbors, thanks for joining us today. If you heard something you liked, please support the show by hitting the subscribe button and reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find takeaways from today's show in the show notes, and you can find more information about the podcast and show notes for each episode on carsoncosta.com forward slash podcast. Please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. You can email us at nto at carsoncosta.com. Find us on Facebook at ntopod, or now you can find us on Instagram at nexttownoverpodcast. We would love to hear from you. We'll be back next week to keep making your world a little smaller. Ha <laughs> ha!